0: Uh, as as I pray tonight, I'm going to pray for Tim Bents. Uh, some of y'all know he's back in the hospital. Uh, he had a, a very life-threatening situation back in the spring, so it's pretty serious that he's back in the hospital now. Um, they don't think it's related. They think it's pancreatitis, um, but still really hard and very discouraging for Tim. So I'm going to pray for him. Y'all pray with me. I'm also going to be praying for Jared, whose seizures are um, are back and, and not so great this week. So we'll pray for Jared. I'm going to let Psalm or a verse out of Psalm 27 lead us there. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Lord, that's our heart's desire, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not. We need to see you. We long to see you. We need to worship you, and we long to worship you. Lord, forgive us when we're neglectful of that or even rebel against it. But we pray in this time you would have your way. This is your world, and we are yours. We belong to you. And we pray, O Lord, that you would have your way in us and with us and through us that Jesus, you would do a work that would make us more like yourself because of our time in the word now. So Lord, come and speak to us. Help us to see your face and to hear your voice. Lord, remove anything and everything that would distract us or keep us from you. That we would know you and behold you alone. Lord, the beauty of your face is what we want. So, Lord, give us that tonight. Lord, we do continue to lift up Tim and Jared, that you would heal their bodies. Lord, I know these these guys are, are tired and discouraged. Lord, encourage them, be near to them, comfort them. And give them your peace. Thank you that pain, suffering, this world is not the end of the story for them or for any of us. But that you're making us new. And so Lord, thanks for how you're redeeming and using even their trials and their sufferings to make them new. So we trust in you alone and we give them to you because you're the only one who can care for them. Thank you that they're a part of our UF, and thanks that we get to, to be blessed by them being a part of this community. Lord, be with us. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> few few things I want to make you aware of. Uh, so this is kind of wait in the future, but it's a big deal. So. Y'all might want to be thinking about it, planning for it and preparing for it. So every spring break, we try to do something missions oriented. We've done some local mission work. We've done some domestic um, Indian reservation kind of works. We are this year gonna be going to London to help with a church planting team there with a missions organization called Surge. And we'll be there pretty much start to the end of your spring break. But I want to get that on your radar. More details will come, but but that's what we'll be doing. And if that's of interest to you, you'll be hearing more. We'll have an interest meeting. um, And yeah, so just just be thinking about that. A lot of y'all know this. Uh, Deadline for responding is tomorrow noon. But my wife and I are going to host a family weekend open house if you want in on that. The only requirement is you bring a family member. Um, so this is not just for anyone randomly to drop by, um, you got to have family and talent. If you're local and want to bring parents, bring them on by, um, there will be a lot of food and a lot of great fellowship. We do this because we love knowing your families and we love that they know us and know RUF. So, um, it's just a great chance for us to meet them. So come on by. It's at 5. Uh, five to seven o'clock, and like I said, there'll be good food. I think that gives you enough time after the game, because the game is a 1.30 start, I think, so yeah, you should be able to get get to my place. We're about 10 or 12 minutes from, from campus, so not far. Uh, last thing I'll say, and Catherine's gonna, I think, get to this a, lo- a little more in detail, but I, I really want to er- encourage you, if you're not in our big group me, there's a lot of craziness and chaos that happens in there, but also there's a lot that, that helps you know what's going on outside of Wednesday nights. And really, that's the best way for you to get to know people in this community. And that's really what we want. We, we want you to know and be known. And so you got to come out to stuff to know and be known. It's easy to kind of sneak in, sneak out here on Wednesday nights, but you got to come out to stuff. So I want to urge you to do that. And the best way is to get in that group me and, and find out what's going on. Catherine will have some other announcements come to those things too, but again, we'll announce those in even more detail on the group Me. All right, we're going to spend the next 25 or 30 minutes talking about the Bible. We do this because God has very graciously and kindly given us the Bible so that we can know Him, so that we can know about the world around us, and so we can even know our own hearts and our need of Him. So this is really the best time we're going to spend all day hearing from God. If you have questions about anything you hear or about Christianity in general, faith in general, struggles that you have, talk to me. Talk to any of us up front. We'd, we'd love to, to talk with you about any of that. And it's okay to be at different places. Like everybody in this room, we're all at different places and nobody has it all figured out. So come and let's talk. Well, I, I think I've shared this quote before, but it's good enough to share again. A wise man once said, The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. If you think about it, everything about you proceeds out of that. How you see yourself, your purpose, your priorities, your actions. How you view God shapes how you understand the world around you at both the local and the global levels. Who you understand God to be will be the most important compass upon which you orient your entire life. And a quick side note here, my greatest goal in ministry, my greatest privilege as a pastor is that you would see God. That's what keeps me up at night. That's what I long for most in you. Not that we would grow our numbers, not that we would get more people in here, that's all great. My biggest joy, my biggest privilege is that you would see and know God. Tonight, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3 in three sections. And with each of those sections, we're going to see more and more of who God is. And we're going to talk about three attributes, three characteristics of God in particular with each of those sections. And here they are. God is holy, God who sees, and God the great I am. God is holy, God who sees, and God the great I am. You're going to see that in our text. And again, we'll just go section by section because it's kind of a, a long text. But we'll start with section one, God who is holy, Exodus 3, 1 through 6. Here we go. This is God's word. It's for our good, it's for our life, it's for our very souls. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed." And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God, who is holy. God told Moses, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. When we say God is holy, we're saying that he is separate. He's set apart. He's completely other. He's not one of us nor is he like us. He's completely other. He is perfectly perfect in his righteousness, justice, power, goodness, and glory. And we could make a longer list. There is no lack or flaw in any of his character or in any of his ways. About this time in this message, I would normally want to use an illustration to help us understand what it is we're talking about. But what could I say? What word picture could I use for God who stands alone in His character and in His mighty works? There is no one and there is nothing like Him. So what analogy or illustration could even approximate how completely other God is? So here in this text, God provides His own illustration. Did you see it? A burning bush. A burning bush that doesn't burn up. Well, that, that's kind of different, isn't it? You've never seen anything like that. And that's exactly what God was saying to Moses. Moses, I'm different. There's none like me. I am holy. And as you come into my presence, you're standing, Moses, on holy ground. And Moses' response to this whole interaction, I think, is a great application for us. Look look there at the end of verse 6. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God is to be reverenced. God is to be feared. God is to be awed. Is, is that a word? <laughs> like, we're, we're to be in awe of God. God is to be worshipped. Because he's completely other. And so when we come to him, we're coming to God who is holy, 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 the book of Isaiah says. When we stand before him, we too are on holy Ground, And if you're listening, if you're paying attention, there should be a growing discomfort, a dissonance rising up in your mind and your heart that goes something like this. If God is holy, how can I, how can you, who are totally unholy, approach Him? How can we stand before God? How can we be before God in His presence? That's the question that should be coming up in your mind and your heart right now. And I think the answer can be found in an illustration. So let me go ahead and throw one in right now. In the New Testament, at the time Jesus lived... the Jews worshiped at a temple. The outer ring of the temple was called the court of the Gentiles. And that was the space, that was the place where Gentiles, those who are not of the Jews, could come and worship. And then inside that court was the court of Israel. And that's where the Jews came and offered their worship. And then inside that was the holy place where the priests would come and offer sacrifices and offer prayers on behalf of the people. But then inside of that was what was known as the Most Holy Place, otherwise known as the Holy of Holies. And between the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies, the Most Holy Place was a veil. They couldn't even look inside it. And there was a high priest that could go in once a year. And there were all kinds of regulations that he had to go through to be cleansed, to enter into the Holy of Holies. And again, once a year. And it was one man. And they even tied a rope around his ankle in case he was consumed by the holiness and the glory of God. They could drag him out. That's how holy a place it was. When Jesus hung on the cross, when Jesus gave his life a sacrifice so that you and I could be forgiven, have our sins forgiven, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom. That's a picture of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Do you see it? How is it we who are unholy can come into the presence of the holy? Jared's having a seizure. Let me pray. Father, would you, would you be with Jared? And, and Lord, thank you that you have been with him through so many of these. And Lord, I pray that you would be with him, comfort him, and give him peace. And again, Lord, we pray that you'd heal him. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Can I get two people to move a couch back there so Jared would have a place to lay down? Good, yeah, come on, Matt and Nate. Grab this couch right here and just move that stuff and you can take it back. He's gonna be more comfortable if we can, once the seizure passes. Thanks, y'all. I think two of y'all can get that. Did y'all start a clock, Naomi? Yeah. Okay, great. <clears throat> Jared, if you want it, there's a couch coming back. He may he he may want some water too if if anybody has some. Thanks, Joe. Okay, I'm going to keep going. If if Jared's seizures are new for you, we know we know how to care for him, and unfortunately, he has, he has a lot of these, and we love that he is with us. Um, so yeah, just continue to pray. Um, but I'm I'll keep pressing through. Um, Alex or Naomi, whoever's back there, if you need, like, if it's going long, let me know. Okay. We're What's that? We're gonna call. Nine one one. Okay. On Say again. It's on a second. Okay. All right. I'll let y'all take care of that, then. Where were we? The veil, right? Is that where we were? Um. Y'all, that's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. When Jesus died on that cross, he opened the way of access for the unholy to approach the holy, for the unholy to be in the presence of the most holy. And it's significant that the veil tore from top to bottom. God's saying, I did this. I took the initiative to make this happen. This is from God. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. The one who never sinned, who was perfectly righteous, put himself on that cross. And on that cross, a double exchange took place. And Jesus took upon himself our unrighteousness, our unholiness, and he gave to us his holiness. His righteousness. So as we talk about God being holy and us before Him on holy ground, how is it that we can stand before Him? How is it we can approach this holy God? The answer is simply this, Jesus. It's in what Jesus has done on our behalf. And this gift of God's grace that we can know him comes to us by faith, by believing in Jesus. Not by doing good works, not by being religious, not by your self-righteousness, but only by Christ. God is holy and Jesus is the only way to the holy. Section number two, God who sees. That'll be our second slide, Exodus 3, 7 through 12. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad (laughs) land. a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. We have a God who sees. Listen again to some of the words of that passage. I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I have come down to deliver them. The cry of the people has come to me. I have seen their oppression. I will be with you. Now put yourself into the shoes of the Israelites who would soon hear this message. Remember, this is Moses having this interaction. But Moses is soon going to be communicating this with the Israelites. These are people who have suffered for 400 years as slaves in Egypt. Egypt. But the God who is holy sees. The God who is the creator and sustainer of all things knows. The God who is over all the universe is with them. Many of you come in here tonight burdened. You're suffocating under the pressures of your workload or the weight of sin and shame. Or maybe it's the pain of disappointment, loneliness, or loss. Listen to me. If you're His, He sees you. He knows you. And He is with you. You are His child. He has adopted you into His family. And He's proud to be your father. You have His Spirit who helps you in your weakness. And that Spirit intercedes with you for groanings too deep for words. He works all things together for good for those who love Him. All things. And nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. All of that is straight from Romans 8. Some of you remember that from our fall conference weekend. Be encouraged by these words. This is from a book, Deeper, by Dane Ortland, And there is a slide here because it's a long quote. Listen to this. This is about how God sees us in our suffering and our affliction. Nothing can touch you that does not touch him, that is Christ. To get to you, every pain, every assault, every disappointment has to go through him. You are shielded by invincible love. Everything that washes into your life, no matter how hard, comes from and through the tender care of the friend of sinners, who is Jesus. He himself feels your anguish even more deeply than you do because you are one with him. And he mediates everything hard in your life through his love for you Because you are one with him. Picture yourself standing in a circle with an invisible but impenetrable wall surrounding you. A sphere of impregnability. But it's not a circle you're in. It's a person. The person who has been made one with you. The might of heaven, the power that flung galaxies into existence has swept you into himself. God sees and he knows and he's with you and he is the great I am let me put it on hold how are we doing back there Matt okay okay do you need help taking him or okay all right thank you guys for helping all right, let's, let's hit section three, God the Great I Am. Starting in verse 13, then, the, then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. God, the great I am. Y'all can feel the fear and the insecurity building up in Moses throughout this text, can't you? In the last section, Moses asked the question, "Who, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring Israel out? And then here in this section, he protests again. And he says, if I come and say the God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? Remember, Moses hasn't been with God's people for 40 years. Remember the last time was Mo- when Moses was with God's people, He had to flee because he had killed somebody. So he's been in Midian for 40 years. So Moses is asking some pretty valid questions. Who am I, God, to do this? And if I do go, who are you? And why would they believe me? Or why would they believe you? And I'm guessing at this point we can relate to Moses' fears. It's a ridiculous and it's an impossible calling. But listen to how God answered Moses' question. God said, I am who I am. Moses, tell them that the God who always has been, always is, and always will be has sent you. Tell them the one that has no beginning and no end, who depends on nothing outside himself, who existed before anything else was, who created all things out of nothing simply by speaking it into being, and who even now upholds it all by the power of his hand. This is the I am who I am. Tell them I am who I am sent you. I don't know if y'all are watching the news. But earlier today, Category 4 Hurricane Ian made landfall in central Florida on the Gulf Coast. Winds up to 150 miles an hour. I can't even wrap my mind. Like, when wind gusts here are 40 miles an hour, stuff's flying everywhere. We're talking four times that. 18-foot storm surge and... 15 to 20 inches of rain. Now, uh, imagine you're out in a kayak (laughs) in the Gulf of Mexico, just off the coast of Fort Myers, Florida. You would give anything for a rock, a peninsula, any piece of land to take refuge on. Something, anything that exists outside the storm that existed before the storm and will exist after the storm. You would give anything to grab hold of that. No, life is full of storms. And sometimes those storms feel like a category four, 150 mile an hour wind storm. But God, the great I am, exists outside the storm. He was there long before the storm and he will be there long after the storm. And while everything else in your world swirls like hurricane force winds, God alone stands secure. And so the the key for Moses wasn't, who am I that I should go The key for Moses was, I am who I am. God calls us to do hard things, sometimes ridiculous things, sometimes seemingly impossible things. And when your fears and insecurities rise up and ask, who am I? You tell them, I am who I am. God is the most important factor in any equation. God was going to rescue his people out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses, but it would be by God's hand. God would do it. He is the great I am. Moses was being sent to stand up to the most powerful man in the world, to bring down devastating plagues of God's judgment on Egypt, and to lead hundreds of thousands of Israelites out of slavery. And y'all, honestly, he had no hope apart from God. God who is holy, the great I am, who sees and who knows. We started by saying the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. You and I aren't going to be called to do the things Moses was called to do But God does have a calling for you. There will be beauty, there will be joy, and there will be glory in that. But there will also be trials, temptations, and tragedies. And y'all, we have no hope apart from God. So will you put your hope, your trust in Him? He is the great I Am who sees and who knows. Will you believe it? Will you live it? And will you share it? And as you do, invite others to come and join us next week. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you are the great I Am, that you see and that you know and that you are holy. Thank you that you look upon us and that you have made a way of access to you through your son Jesus, that we could be made right with you. So Lord, help us to put our hope and our trust in you. And I pray that for Jared even now. Thank you for these folks who've come to, to give him help and care. And we pray that you would use them for his good. Lord, thanks that you love us and that you are with us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.